But please turn with us and turn with me to Philippians 4 and 10. You heard it as our scripture on today. Philippians 4 and 10 through 13. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I think in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's give the Lord praise for his word. In this short time together that we have, we're going to talk about unanswered prayers. Now, I think that every one of us here and online can remember at least one time or another in our lives praying for something with all of our hearts, praying for something with all of the faith that we could muster and imagine, and it not coming to pass. Someone here has been praying for something for what seems like years now, and it doesn't seem like the Lord is even listening to you. You're praying that the Lord will bless you with a spouse. Been praying for what seems like forever, but instead of the Lord answering your prayer, it seems like everyone around you is getting proposed to and married. You've been praying for that better job or a financial blessing for as long as you can remember. Praying for the Lord to bring you some kind of relief from what seems like the constant attack and harassment of financial debt and the bill collectors. Meanwhile, it seems like every time you turn around, the Lord is blessing someone else with a new house or a new career and cruelly forcing you to be there to see it happen for them. You've been praying to the Lord to bless you with a new car so you can come to church and worship and praise him, and instead he puts a train station right next to the church. You've been praying to the Lord for, for so long to meet that need. You've touched and agreed with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've quoted John 14, 13, you know it, and whatever you ask for in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You've reminded God that Jesus said that in his word every time you've prayed for God to meet that desire in your heart. But for some reason, your prayer seems to be going unanswered. I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand in here today, but someone in here online has been asking the Lord, why hasn't he answered their prayers for that lottery ticket they bought at the liquor store to hit? 
You even promised to pay your tithes if he would just answer that prayer. Oh, I guess that was just me on it. No, I'm just playing. I never did that. I'm just. <laughs> but we are told in the word to bring the concerns, the desires of our heart to the Lord, and he would hear those prayers. To with, let, let, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. But why are there things that we pray for? And he seems to refuse to answer those prayers. I know I'm talking to someone in here today. Now let's be clear. Our God is more than able to answer all of our prayers and meet each of our needs beyond our imagination. We are told in his word to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. He can heal your body. He can bless your finances. In the blink of an eye, he could change your entire environment, your entire world. So why do sometimes, more often than times we like, do our prayers seem to go unanswered? Do some of our prayers seem to go unanswered? Now, before we go deeper into this text today, I feel that at this time, it is my obligation to give a slight disclaimer. Even though we praise the Lord and have a good time here in service, and I do have to give the Lord praise for our music department on today and our singers, they did a beautiful job. Let's praise the Lord for them. But even though we give the Lord praise and we have a good time here in service, even though we come here and we dance and praise and stomp our feet and clap our hands, even though we can get lost in the spirit and release and celebrate his goodness, we are not here just to feel good for an hour or two and then send you back out there to the insanity of the world. I'm not here just to get you up and shouting and high and then you leave here like nothing happened. I'm not here to tell you just to name it and claim it and jump up and down and spin around five times and touch your toes and you'll have what you want. We're not here to do that. I'm not here to upset anybody. I come in peace. But it is my job here as your pastor it is our job here at West Angeles to make you stronger. Amen. It is our mission here to help you become spiritually mature sons and daughters of God. We're here to make you better. We're here so that you can live life in power. So that you can live life in victory. So every once in a while, I may have to tell you something that stretches you, that makes you strain. It is my job to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. Sometimes to challenge you. In order for a plane to rise and gain altitude, it has to meet resistance. In order for your muscles to get stronger, you have to strain them and push them. We are here to make you stronger. Amen. 
So with that disclaimer in mind and clearly stated, we can move on. You see, when we pray sometimes, it isn't a matter of what is said when you petition the Lord for something, but what is unsaid and what that unsaid thing implies. You see, we can't do what God can do, but God will not do what we can do. While we pray to the Lord to help him and for him to heal our body or heal our finances, he may be wanting us to pray for and admit that we need his help and need his strength for help in poor eating habits or poor lifestyle choices or poor stewardship or illicit desires that we may have. You see, one level of our prayers deals with what is happening to you while the deeper level deals with what is happening in you. I'll say it again, one level of your prayers deals with what's happening to and around you, while the deeper level of your prayers deals with what's happening in you. I know it may be a tough pill to swallow, but it's unlikely that the person making an open prayer request for financial assistance will also go on and make an open profession that their financial problems are the result of poor financial practices. The same brother or sister will become angry if someone suggests that the problem isn't lack of money, but improper money management. You see, needing a breakthrough in my finances is about what's happening to me. But poor stewardship about what God is blessing with is about what's happening in me. It's about who I am. And I don't want to talk about my irresponsible behavior or my greed or my poor judgment. Admitting one's need for a healing or a financial breakthrough doesn't deal with what's happening in us or who we are and our hearts. It's not to say that you shouldn't pray for healing. But there's no risk or vulnerability in that. Even saved folks that are filled with the Holy Spirit and with the, who are Christ-like experience physical and financial needs. Those needs are completely normal. The Bible promises that we're going to have those kind of issues in life. But prayer requests that deal with addiction to pornography or poor stewardship, or alcohol abuse, or unforgiveness, or bitterness, or a violent temper, or self-centeredness expose something about who we are on the inside. Admitting that we are struggling with desires for things that we shouldn't have makes us vulnerable to being judged and rejected by those who we want to think well of us. And none of us want to mess up that perfect image we've built, do we? You know that one that says that we've put all of our flaws and mistakes and weaknesses behind us. You know that image that we like to put on when we come to church. You see, public testimonies tend to focus more on victories over external circumstances while kind of overlooking the more important issues we face in our hearts where no one can see. 
the Lord did this for me, and I did this, and I went through this. No, wait, that's cool. But what's going on in here? We talk about physical healings and financial blessings or positional advancements, but we rarely talk about how the Lord is dealing with us on some of those issues within us. About those issues in our lives that got us into those bad situations in the first place. So the Lord's going to have to perform another miracle later to get you out of the same kind of situation that you were in that he saved you from. Because you never dealt with what was going on in here. I used to quote and declare the last verse of our text with wild abandon. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's like I thought it gave me superpowers. I would go into the classroom and take a test that I hadn't studied one word in the textbook for. I would think that through faith, I was going to ace that test because I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. And when I got the grade I deserved because I didn't study, I just felt that I didn't have the faith I needed to get the grade that I wanted, and I just needed more faith. No, I needed to study. But as I grew older, the Spirit began to work on me. I began to see that I was looking at what Paul said through the eyes of self. Everybody say self. You see, when Paul wrote this passage to the believers in Philippi, he was in prison, in chains. We sometimes gloss over the fact that he who we know as the greatest apostle did not live a life of material wealth and comfort. We know that he wrote most of the New Testament, but even though we honor him, we always don't think about and reflect on what he went through for the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 23, he let us know. He says, I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Now let's stop there for a second. Why do they say that? He says 40 stripes minus one. He says that because the severity of that punishment was such that 40 lashes would kill somebody. So they only gave you 39. They beat him to within an inch or a lash of his life, and he went through that five times. When he took off his shirt or his robe, you could see scars that were going to be there for the rest of his life. He then says, three times I was beaten with rods. Each one of those times could have killed him. Once I was stoned. That is usually a death sentence. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. 
in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brothers, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides other things, what comes upon me daily. My deep concern for all of the churches, any one of those things could drive somebody crazy. I have to think that if even one of these things happened to one of us on a missionary journey, we would start thinking that maybe we didn't hear from the Lord. Oh, the Lord didn't leave. Oh, that hurt. Oh, the Lord must want me to go back home. That's a closed door. I'm going to head back home. Now again, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with being prosperous. But in our desire for material prosperity and comfort, we leave out the true meaning of what Paul was talking about in our text on today. Paul didn't live a life of acclaim and prosperity. In his journey, though, he eventually made it to the point where I would love to be able to make to where he could be at peace with all things. It says it right there. He knew how to be rich and he knew how to be poor. He knew how to be full and he knew how to be hungry. He knew the secret of living in abundance and the secret of living in dire need. Now we can be certain that Paul did not enjoy going through any of those things that he went through. I'm pretty sure that after that second day of floating in the deep or after one of those shipwrecks or after one of those beatings or lashings, Paul prayed for the Lord to perform a miracle to get him out of there. Even after three times for God, to, praying after three times for God to remove the thorn in his flesh, which was some weakness, some sickness, some issue that he was dealing with, we still do not know what it was. But even after praying for three times, God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. So whatever Paul's prayer was, God didn't answer it. While Paul was praying for relief, God was answering his prayer with reliance. While Paul was praying for God to take it away, God's answer to his prayer was, trust me. Instead of changing Paul's circumstances, God changed Paul. The earth shaking. Again, I'll say it again. Instead of changing Paul's circumstances, God changed Paul. How many of you want him to praise to change you on this morning? That's all right. We're going to keep going. We're going to get everybody there. The earth shaking. Life-changing essence of that revelation is reflected in Paul's response 
to God's answer to his prayer. He said, I entreated the Lord three times that it, the thorn, might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected or made complete in weakness. Instead of crying about my condition or seeking relief, I will more gladly boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses. I am at peace with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul was over it. At this point, the last verse in our text and in this morning's scriptures comes into full revelation. It's not that Paul could do all things through Christ that strengthened him, but that he could withstand all things. He could endure all things through Christ which strengthened him. With the strength of Christ, he could go through anything. So here's the big secret. Here's why many of our prayers are not answered sometimes. Our prayers are not answered sometimes because most of the time we pray to God and want him to change what is happening to and around us, what we are going through when we should be praying about what God wants to do inside of us. That's the secret. Our prayer should be that we would get into the point of being able to say, not my will, but thine will be done. Not what I want, Lord, but what you want in my life. God's will in our life isn't the removal of life's storms and problems, but giving us the power to go through the storm. Again, God's will isn't removing life's storms in our life, but giving us the power to go through the storm. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. We are called to face the worst that life in this world has to offer, and if need be to rest in the fact that God has a process that he is taking us through. God bringing you through a seemingly hopeless storm is as much a miracle as God miraculously removing the storm. I'll say it again. God bringing you through a seemingly hopeless storm is as much a miracle as God miraculously removing the storm. God will put us in the middle of a situation that will ultimately make us stronger, and he says... This is for your good. This is for you. And the first thing we do is to pray for God to take us out of the process. The first thing we do is wonder why is God letting us go through this situation, this this storm? 
We are so geared for com to comfort and ease that we spend our time in the middle of a miraculous process that God has put us in, in the storms of life, praying for some miracle to happen that will take us out of the storm which God has put us in, which is the miracle in and of itself. You praying for a miracle to take you out of the miracle that God has you in at the point. Which is the greater testament to God's power and process and purpose in your life? Living a, a joyful, peaceful, Christian-filled life in the lap of luxury or having peace beyond all understanding in the midst of adversity? Some of us have exhausted ourselves in our attempts to engineer life to meet our specifications. We've become masters of rationalizing our own desires, and if they are not overtly bad or negative or evil, we even put God's will on top of our desires. Our focus has been on victory over circumstances, a life free from problems and, and storms when all the while God has been focused on inner victory, victory over self. Victor, focus on the construction of Christ inside of you. Now, beloved, the questions we now have to ask ourselves is, are we more focused on what is happening to us or focused on what is happening in us? Are we more interested in improving our circumstances or our character, who God is trying to turn us into? Are we asking God to make everything right in our lives or asking him to make us right? Are you more focused on personal happiness or holiness? Are you asking God to remove the thorn in your life or to make you thorn proof? Perhaps we're looking to God to stop the storms around us when we should be asking God to stop and still the storms in us. Maybe we're asking God for the right things for the wrong reasons. Maybe it's time that we quit telling God how to run his business and just trust him. He sees beyond our desires and what we think we want, and he has a plan that is much bigger than anything we could imagine. That brother or that sister you're praying for to deliver to, for God to deliver to you as a spouse might be the biggest nightmare that you can see. You just don't see it. That job that you think that you want to have might be the biggest source of discord and pain in your life that you can imagine, and God is trying to save you from that. God looks beyond our adversity and sees us victorious. He says, for I know the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, thoughts that you'd have a future and a hope. Sometimes we might not understand his will, but things happen when you follow the will of the Lord. It reminds me of a time some of you may remember, a short story before we go. 
I guess it had to be around 1974 or 1975. Pastor Charles Blake Sr. had been serving for Pastor of West Angeles on Fifth and Adams for about five or six years or so. The gospel was being preached. People were being saved. West Angeles was growing. Pastor Blake knew that if West Angeles was going to keep growing, we would need more space. But just to the north of the church was an apartment building complex that had come into a bit of disrepair and the property came up for sale. Dad tried to talk to the owner about buying the land, but for some reason the owner seemed very difficult. He may have had some problems with the previous pastor, but it's almost as if the owner had a personal grudge with the church. He let my father know that in no uncertain terms would he ever sell West Angeles that property. Now this presented an issue. It seemed to be a very disappointing situation. It seemed to be a storm. At that time, getting that property would have been a good thing. It would have been what we thought was the answer to our problem. West Angeles needed to grow. But God had something else in mind. God had something else in mind. Not too long after that, Dad got a call from his friend E.V. Hill. We may have been paying for the paying, praying for the property off of Adams and Fifth, but God was looking at Crenshaw and Exposition one day. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. God was looking much further. You see, I need somebody to know that God's going to work it out for the good. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, God is going to work it out for the good. I need for somebody to know that when you put your will inside of God's will, then things begin to happen. All things work for the good of those that love the Lord. Somebody is up for a promotion. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. God didn't save Daniel from the lion's den. God brought him through the lion's den. He didn't get victory when he came out of the lion's den. He had the victory before he went in the lion's den. The three Hebrew boys didn't get saved from the fiery furnace. Instead, God brought them through the fire. God made them fireproof. God didn't stop the storm when God, Paul prayed. Instead, he sustained Paul in a storm so severe that it even destroyed the ship that he was on. You may be going through a storm on your job, but I need for you to know that God is going to withstand you even if he destroys the job that's around you. That you're going to be all right that you're going to make it through the storm. And he did that for Paul on three different occasions. Oh, let's give the Lord praise on this morning. Hallelujah. I'm through. Everybody's standing. Everybody's standing. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give the Lord praise on this morning. 
Close your eyes. Amen. 